Welcome back, listeners, to the Kitmag Pod, or should I say, Willkommen zurück zur Horizon Kitbag Pod Dieser Walker, because this week's feature is a BMG Bundesliga special. Immaculate pronunciation. Thought so as well. You can tell my mum's German. <laughs> Joining us this week, we have some of the usual panellists. Tom at shirt underscore fan. Hello, and what are you wearing today, Tom? Hello. Today I am wearing the Chelsea third shirt from 99 to 2000, and you'll be finding out why soon. Very good, very good. Then on to our German collecting contingent, Alex at Wonderkits. How are you? And talk us through your shirt today. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, foreshadowing our... German themed uh, pod focus today. I've got a VFL Bochum Regenbogen rainbow shirt that finally got my hands on after about three, four years of looking. It's beautiful, although uh, apparently voted Germany's worst shirt of all time. Well, who said the Germans had fashion taste? And Mike at Footy Shirts, same question to you. I am wearing the Borussia Mönchengladbach 94 95 home in honour of our feature guest. And it looks glorious. That concludes formalities. Let's move on to this week's news. So in the news this week, we've got a Hummel retro release for Denmark. Lots of fashion news coming out of the French capital and some yellow stuff. Mike, do you want to kick us off with some Denmark news? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's uh, touching on the same as last week. It's Hummel again. And they have basically brought out a, an exact copy, essentially, reissue of the 83-84 home shirt, which is which is pretty stunning, to be fair. I'm not necessarily one for reissues myself. I prefer a, a shirt that's used on the pitch. But, you know, if you if, you, if this is your sort of thing, this is going to be this is going to be a good one. It's, it's a, as I say, it's a near identical copy it's got some lovely tonal stripes running through it the the hummel chevrons running down the torso and the sleeves and that big beautiful hummel distinctive number that they always have on the back it's uh it's a good one and another good another good hummel release i mean i'm sure this has been boosted by the success of that 1986 remake shirt they did and i know you said you're, you're not you're not always a fan of these mike but I'm all for a, a remake shirt as long as it's made by the same manufacturer, actually. And I think these are quite nice shirts. I like the 86 one, not enough to, to buy it. Similar with this one. I like it, probably not enough to buy it. But uh, yeah, I can see why people would. I agree. It might not. I don't have a love for them like I do an original shirt. That's all it is. I, I do completely understand why people buy into them you know they're especially the Hummel ones they seem to be being released at you know decent prices as well and and when they're near on exact copies of the original I think they're they're they're, they're the next best thing to have in it aren't they they really are and especially as you say the that that sort of like iconic Hummel one that they the Denmark one that they did recently you know everybody jumped on because it was a beautiful looking shirt and and it, for me personally I just don't buy reissues it's as simple as that but but I 100% understand why people get behind these ones because they're, they're looking at the images and they're stunning I mean I would put one tiny little proviso into this before anyone buys one though I feel like you do have to be able to name one player that wore the shirt and personally I couldn't but just going to throw that out there for anyone thinking about buying one. I think that's a fair deal. I couldn't. That rule with all shirts, Tom. Uh, I'm no gatekeeper, Adrian. I couldn't possibly say. 
Do you, do you know what? That idea of Hummel, they've done a really good job with some recent re- repros, Mike. We should probably bring that up in the main feature. I've just looked up the, the lineups. There are a few names that I know. Schmeichel's so dad. We have Soren Lerby. I definitely know that name. And we have Alan Hansen, but not the Liverpool one. <laughs> it's definitely not the it's definitely not the Liverpool one. I mean the, the kind of international rules are a lot more lax in previously, weren't they? He's wearing number nine. He was a silky centre back, wasn't he? The the Liverpool one. He could be doing a sort of Dion doubling Chris Sutton in reverse. I I'm the, the youngest person on this pod. This should not be relied upon for my for my knowledge on the 1982 Denmark team. Yeah, I'd I'd go I'd go I'd go it's, it's safe to say it's definitely not that Alan Hudson that much. I'd be I'd be saying I, I can't imagine that one of Scotland's best centre backs is Denmark's best striker for that time. Preben Elk, yeah. Yes, fantastic. Famously of yeah. which team? He 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 won a Scudetto, probably one of the most unheralded. Verona. But he played for Verona, yeah. It's just yeah. one yeah. out of eleven. That's all I've got. So here we go. If you want one, so Frank Frank Arneson would have worn the shirt. He's a name that a lot of people might know. Made over two hundred appearances for Ajax. Played for Valencia, Anderlecht, and PSV. Um, and he played for Denmark between seventy-seven and eighty-seven. So he'd have definitely worn that shirt. A fantastic photo of him circulating earlier in that Lecoq Sportif Ajax shirt as well, looking very trim. You've always got to say the manufacturer of an Ajax shirt. It's the only way you can identify which one actually is. <laughs> so on that note, let's move on. Alex, tell us all this news that's coming out of Paris this week. Uh, which side are we starting with? The affluent side or the historical side? Let's go hipster. Yeah, so Fixie Bike favourite Red Star FC have belatedly kind of joined the crowd and they have launched a kit competition so it's their 125th anniversary coming up france's fourth oldest club and so people can submit their designs for the club's 125th anniversary jersey until tomorrow so unfortunately it's a bit of kind of look what you could have won for anybody listening on monday Um, uh, yeah unfortunately there's a really great package for those who who win it so sort of two season tickets you get some football jerseys there's 500 euro from the sponsor um a vip experience etc so it'd be great to see who kind of how wins that so like many they've kind of issued a template kappa have given five base designs different color and other shirt designs so yeah it'd be great to see sort of what comes out of that i mean nice prizes but no royalties from the shirt sales <laughs> break up the competition shooting the messenger here tom i would say it sounds like a rip-off but that was actually their club badge from two years ago wasn't it <laughs> I was going to say it's normally a poison chalice these design kit things because you know you're normally going to be set up to foul I reckon a little bit but at least Red Star are giving fans a chance because yeah their last couple of kits have been horrendous I, th- I, th- I think the one thing we will see on Twitter is plenty of people who haven't won it when they start telling us just like after the Dortmund one there's lots of opportunities out there so what I would say is anybody's shirt isn't picked this time around just just wait your turn for the next competition and, and don't get too sour grapes yeah, and Adrian being a big fan of concept shirts, something you're always keen to support. Moving on to one of France's newest clubs, Alex, but staying in Paris. Yep, so the other younger, richer part of Paris. So obviously PSG have got their 10th title this season, so they're releasing 
champions version of their home and away kits sort of feature a star that's kind of stylized to sort of represent the Eiffel Tower and also around the badge will be embroidered the years of each of their 10 title victories and there's also a custom patch on the sleeve as well uh, to sort of celebrate the victory so they're quite expensive 150 euros something like that yeah if you're really keen to celebrate the victory then uh, yeah you know where to get them and then next season they will apparently rather than decorating their badge with a star it will be a sleet a patch a star on the league patch so there are a couple of clubs that kind of have qualified for stars in different ways um so santa tn actually have got 10 titles and so have a justified star marseille have added one for their european cup and none have decided that they have added eight for each one of their league titles so psg are going to join the club in a way but it's going to be on the sleeve rather than on the badge um, I think what I find most interesting about that, I'm just looking at the badge now. And then, like we were saying, it's got the the years of the league titles, all 10 of them, looping round the crest. And obviously, there's a hell of a lot from 2013 onwards, which I'm guessing is when the money came in. But what's interesting to me is there is the odd year. So, for example, they won it in 2016, not 2008, uh, and not 2017. Then they won it in 18. And also 20 to 21 is a, a missed year too. And I'm trying to think, which teams did win when they didn't win it? Was it Lille? It won it one year and Lille. Um, Montpellier won it one year, didn't they? Oh, they did. Ah, uh, that must, is that 2017? No, that was Monaco. I, I guess. Mm. That was Monaco. Oh. That was the whole um, Bernardo Silva. And um, I think would still been Mbappe team at that point. Yeah, because Montpellier was Giroud, wasn't it? And that would have been... Yes, yeah, so that was a, a while a while back, and then Lille won a couple of seasons ago. My knowledge is pretty sketchy below Conference South, Sorry, last so season. I'm going to take your word for it, gents. <laughs> um, but I mean that that Monaco side was was excellent, really good team, and unfortunately, yeah, disbanded almost immediately. So I posted something about you saw the the salaries and just sort of the gap. Um, in some of the leaves is absolutely extraordinary. So PSG have all the top 10 salaries in Liga, And I think two of their earners earn more than four times what any other club pays any other player. I mean, it is a fairy tale for PSG as well, because 94, 2013, it took them nine years to win a, 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 a title. But but ten, 10 titles for a club that's younger than Alice Shearer and Madonna, that's not bad going, is it? Um, <laughs> so the home and away shirt, they're going to be wearing that for the remainder of the season. So that's six shirts, is it, you've now got to buy if you're a PSG collector? Makes them third on the table, doesn't it? Probably behind Napoli and oh, who is the other team that... Did we say Sevilla got up to six last week? Uh, sorry, Batiste got up to six last week. She couldn't get the Olympic team. Dortmund have um, maybe surpassed all if we consider all different variations. It's the real Super League. That's what we're witnessing. Halcyon yeah. days. I like it. And there's some more news out of kidneys out of France this week. Anybody know what it is? Uh, yeah, I think I did see this. Is it Was it Lyon? They had um, a fourth shirt spotted in some, some stores recently. Uh, and again, I think it, they kind of circulated online. It's blue. I'm surprised that they haven't got a blue shirt already amongst their other free shirts this year. But they're going to be wearing that apparently this weekend so 
yesterday as this pod goes out against Marseille. Yeah, like I said, blue. It's got like a red mottled effect across it. It's it's okay. It's not it's not a groundbreaker. Let's just say that. I think it's called the Adidas 22 template or something like that. And it's actually next year's fourth shirt that they've released and are going to be wearing this weekend. Ah. I know in England, we used to do final home game of the season. We quite often saw clubs wearing next season's home shirt, but um, not heard of a team wearing a next season's fourth shirt to wrap up things. That's, that's a really strange one. I'm not, I'm not sure I like that very much. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of teams wearing the following season's kit. You know, for the last game at all, if I'm honest, but but for that one, I think there's something bizarre about dropping, you know, the following season's fourth shirt in the season before that. Mm, no, I'm I'm not buying into that one. I, I'm not one that says that fourth shirts are unnecessary, but dropping your following season's fourth shirt is definitely unnecessary. I'd be lying if I didn't say I agreed with you, Mike. So let's move on to the next piece of news. Colour related, yellow. Tom. Yeah, it was a big week for yellow this week. And uh, the, the first real piece of news regarding yellow was Villarreal, who played Liverpool in the Champions League semi final. And Kit Geek, football Kit Geek on Twitter, he had a great stat. So that Villarreal are the first team to wear the same kit 10 times in the Champions League this year. They worn their shirt 10 times out of the 11 games they've played so far. Yeah, so it's, it's unusual for a team to stick to, to one template, one palette, if you like, one kit. Um, and then the second bit of news regarding yellow this week was the complete polar opposite, that Chelsea have announced they will be wearing their yellow away kit for the FA Cup final against Liverpool, which is going to set pulses racing across the world of men of a certain age because it's completely unnecessary and uh, yeah it's disgusting they should be put straight into room 101 so they've drawn out the hat as the home team for the fa cup final and they've elected to wear yellow mike alex come on get stuck in here it doesn't bother me i'm not I, I don't know what it, I, I don't know what it is i, I just I, I i see a lot of this on twitter a lot of a lot of disagreements about you know teams wearing this color here well don't don't wear your away shirt away when you could be wearing your home anyway you know you got you want i don't honestly i don't care i love football shirts i love seeing teams wear different kits as much as possible maybe if maybe if i maybe or maybe if it was aston villa maybe if villa were in a you know cup final and we had the chance to wear the claret and blue and we decided not to i may feel differently about it i'll put my hands up and say that however as a neutral and just a kit fan i honestly couldn't care less who wears what color in a final i don't care if teams wear special kits at home when they could wear their home i'm just all for just seeing lots of different football shirts and different kit matches to be honest I think we might have started kit room 101 early here. Exactly the opposite, that it's a home kit. Like, it should be your first choice. It's like what you've worn for maybe 100, 120 years. Like, you know, Chelsea blue, you know, Roma red, like you you think of these colours. Like, that's what you should stick with, really. You're only ever forced into not wearing your kit if you're, you know, there's a kit clash or something like that. If you're given the option to flip and choose your home traditional colours... And you go for something else. It does seem, yeah, yeah, not for me. There is a bit of previous with this. I think perhaps the reason Chelsea have had a torrid spell in the FA Cup final. I say that as a, a real spoiled brat because we've made quite a few of them. We haven't won one for a few years. 
And we did beat Everton in 2009 in the FA Cup final wearing yellow. So maybe there is a bit of method in the madness because, yeah, we've not fared too well against Liverpool wearing Chelsea blue in the last few years. I think you wore yellow in the semi-final against Crystal Palace, didn't you? So, so maybe it's a luck thing. But, but for me, if you pulled out as a home team, you should be wearing your home shirt. So I drew a line. I drew a line for you. I oh, want a thing to do. And it was all yellow. <laughs> Let's dive into this week's great feature. Okay, so we've assembled our crack German football shirt team, myself and Mike Kay, to talk to a very special guest. Diva Penowitz joins us from Germany to talk to us about his experience in particularly German kits as a fan and as a writer of books. Welcome to you, Steve. Hey, thank you. Do you want to give us a bit of your background? So how did you get into football kits? Who do you support? Give us your kind of profile and biography. Okay, um, I'm a little older than you two, I guess. I'm born in 69, so I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, my first contact into football was because of my family. I was born near Düsseldorf. My whole family was mentioned Gladbach and Fortuna Düsseldorf fan. So my first uh, experience with football became the 77, 78 with Borussia Mönchengladbach. And later in the 80s, um, somehow got connected. Um, we had this uh, with, with kids, uh, the football kids, um, was because we had this kicker, Bundesliga, make it in every, every year before the season starts. I don't know if you know it in, Germany, in England. Kicker, Sonderheft, always the new teams, they show pictures of the team. And I was always interested in the outfitters and the sponsors. That was my first. I, looked, I opened this magazine, I bought it. And then the first look at the pictures, who is the new outfitter of the team and who is the new sponsor of the team. In the 90s, when it got really wild with uh, new companies coming in, but in the 80s, it was just Puma and Adidas, of course, here and there, Pony and one time Hummel in the 70s. But in the 90s, then with Nike's entry in the, in, the, um, in the Bundesliga, the whole market changed completely. And then it got really interested for me. Then I really got hooked by... This uh, new um, outfitters, Essex, Diadora, but there came um, Roish. You know, they all came in the market suddenly. Airbacher, which was a, a ski brand. You know, and I think maybe you know them from Stuttgart the Kickers. They had this big logo on the shirt, a Kickers logo. That was my favorite shirt in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s. I said, wow, who designs this kind of shirts? But I never became a collector. I was never really like you guys, a uh, big collector. I was always interested in the stories behind it. And I was living in um, North Westphalia for 25 years. And I live now in Munich for almost 20 years or over 20 years. And I had all in front of me. I could travel to Bundesliga games every day, every weekend, but I never did. I was not ready. But now since I moved, when I moved to Munich, um, I was a mid um, founder of a fan club here of Borussia Mönchengladbach. And I visited more football games here since I'm here than I ever did when I was living next door to my clubs.
I didn't know how it became also with a kid bug uh, with this writing about it that started around 2006. I had this idea for this book about the Bundesliga shirts and it was more idea of a compendium, like a really big fat book, every shirt ever worn, which is of course impossible to to, uh, to do here yeah, because you can't, can't make a book like that. Nobody buys that. Uh, but never, nobody wanted to get made this box and uh, Facebook was not there. There was no connections to collectors, so it was impossible to do. But I had this idea still in my mind the whole time. And then in 2016, 2017, uh, a friend of mine who worked at the publishing house and he came to me and asked me, yeah, you know the sports market, you know the book market. We, My publisher wants to do some uh, sports section. And you have ideas. And then I told him about my kid book idea. And then the Arsenal shirt from, from Simon came out back then, Simon Shakespeare. And I showed it to them that here, that is what I want, just about Bundesliga. And they took it to the publishing house. And then, uh, yeah, it came rolling. And that's how I became a writer. Looking through the book, I mean, anybody who's fortunate enough to have it, it's it kind of right up our street in terms of the podcast. So you're not obsessed about the details. A lot of collectors are really very obsessed about particular yeah. shirts and the combinations and the sponsors. But you really like the idea of the people and the stories behind each element yeah. of the kit. How did it end up this way? And where did this design or, or what the kind of little idiosyncrasies that come behind the kit? Yeah. And yeah, I think it very much speaks to things that, that interest us on our pod. So I think there's a, a lot of German football fans in terms of the, the kits out there, but perhaps don't know so much about the culture in the, con- the country. So in terms of kits, kit collecting, kit appreciation, what is it like in Germany for a kit fan? What kind of avenues are there out there? I never knew. I knew a few kit collectors before I started my books, of course, but I had not uh, um, deep insight into this collection scene before I really start connecting with them yeah and i met so many many for this uh, Bundesliga book i had over 30 collectors helping me because all the shirts in this book 95 percent match worn shirts that was important to me i wanted to have match worn shirts in the book i didn't want replicas or something like that uh, or retros we have some retro in shirt in there we have some replicas in there but only because of the shirts you couldn't get or there was no collector like uh for example, this old 63, 64, beginning of the Bundesliga years, is very, very rare, hard to get on hands on a match worn shirt from even a, a retro shirt. This is very hard to get off from Borussia Neunkirchen or the Preußen Münster. It was almost impossible. There are no collectors for that kind of clubs. But there are, of course, collectors for all the big clubs. I'm uh, fortunate to meet them all or meet a lot. I visited them and I took most of the pictures myself. I didn't have one match one shirt before I started writing the book. No, I have a few, <laughs> but I would never spend, I think the most expensive was 250 euro I spent for a mentioned Lapo shirt. And that was already expensive for me. I know that other guys pay 1,000 to get a special shirt. I, I saw you, Alex, you had just acquired a, a new nice Antwerp Frankfurt shirt. Um, I don't know how much you paid for that. Yeah, <laughs> this uh, incredible yeah, not not quite 250 euro, but yeah, they can they can add up. Just out of curiosity, I'm just touching on what Alex was saying about the sort of like the culture within the kit collecting yeah. in in Germany. It makes me wonder. Obviously, for us specifically with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach shirts, as collectors, we see 
certain shirts as their best shirts, but we have no affinity with the club. We don't understand the memories behind it and, yeah. and the emotions that go with it. So, for example, we, we're attracted to those sort of like mid-90s kits that are extravagant and, you know, that everybody knows. But as a, an avid fan of Borussia Mönchengladbach, is there, is there more shirts that the supporters would see as as the sort of like the cult favourites and, and, and the top shirts that people would want? Um, I think it depends when you grew up. Like me, for example, in the... Seven, late 70s, early 80s, my favorite, all-time favorite shirt was uh, the one with the black patches on the on the shoulder and the um, needle stripes there. Um, um, for the 70s guys, like my co-author, uh, he is a little older than I. He, he loves, of course, uh, a classic green with the black stripe in the 70s, which they wore for, for over 13 years. The younger generation who come up now maybe love but you have uh, on the, the the Essex shirt, but this shirt you um, have there, this Essex shirt is also very controversial in the Borussia scene. Some hate it, I hate it at all completely. I, I don't like it at all. I never liked it very much, but others love it, of course, because it's the last cup cup win we have and the last success we had. So it is always for the Borussia fans in the heart as a as a shirt which has success in yeah? in the. 90s and 80s, I think that's the ones I mentioned um, are probably the, the most famous or the most um, popular. My favorite also is from 2004 and 2005, a very white, uh, simple white uh, lotto shirt. I love it uh, when it's clean, when they're clean cut and when they're um, clean designed. This is also a shirt I love. And from last season, Puma 2020-2021, season this the white and the black one they are very nice too this is one of the newer ones i really love but there are ugly ones as well like the batik one i don't know if you know this one with the 18 the second year after puma came back and they had this batik uh, style on the shirt and uh, this is horrible yeah all the new uh, this year this this black away shirt the third one is also man city wears and both the dortmund wears where there's no uh, crest on the on the shirt and so um, horrible, absolutely horrible. Yeah. That one always uh, is a, a point of discussion for for the part in there. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting what you say, Stephen. I think a, a lot of these shirts perhaps are looked on a bit more fondly with time. So it might seem this week that finally I got hold of one of the Bochum Faber rainbow yeah. shirts. And I think they were also quite unpopular. And and then you maybe grown a little more in, in Bochum fans' minds in reflection. And then saying that, you know, for kit collectors, we're divorced from the feeling of the club. And the same, I really like the 90s Nike Dortmund, that vault yellow. And again, Another one like the 94-95 Gladbach shirt that divides opinion amongst fans that some have kind of embraced the new, you know, and it's part of the history now to have had that colour for eight years, whereas for other people, it's the golden yellow or or nothing. Yeah. But, but this Bochum is the same, and right? this colourful, um, in Germany, it's always among the top 10 best of most horrible shirts ever made. Yeah, this is uh, and Bochum fans maybe love it, or I mean, you guys in England love it very much. I know it. I see it when on Twitter. I see it. Uh, every British collector I know wants to have this shirt. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> why is that? <laughs> uh, the yeah. story behind that maybe I don't know. But um, sponsor flock on the shirt 
is so hard. It was so hard that the players had to tape their nipples because it was um, yeah so hard on the on the on the on the uh, on the chest. I don't know the English word for it. Scheuern. Um, it's just uh, rubbing rubbing on so that they didn't um, couldn't wear it simple on the shirt because it's like like a wall, like a wood spread of um, wood. On, on, on your shirt, and that's the reason why the players couldn't play without um, taped nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about these sort of unique stories about shirts, were there any yeah. that really stood out for you? Other ones that you found really interesting when you were going through the book? Yeah, when we um, when we saw both on Twitter this week with a casual story for that they um, had a, suddenly uh, a yellow shirt and Schalke here yellow. Alone, yellow, alone, alone, the idea. And that came because the sponsor, Kelcher back then, decided they wanted the away shirt should be yellow. And they even suggested that it should be yellow and black, and which you can't do with shark. This is um, uh, Borussia Dortmund colors. So they agreed on to make it yellow and blue. But the sponsor and some shirts was black either. Also they had uh, the blue stripes on the shoulders, Adidas stripes, you know, the equipment stripes were blue. But the sponsor was still black. In the second season, they changed this to blue as well. So, but in, in the free yellow Schalke shirt, they have a high collector's value because Schalke fans never bought them. It is very hard to find now. Or the shirt you have just bought, the Eintracht Frankfurt, the Tetra Pak is also uh, yellow and red. They are known, but there is also one blue, blue one. And this is a very rare one. It was just worn one time against Duisburg because Frankfurt and Duisburg have a friendship. And in this game, Duisburg wore the colors of Frankfurt and Frankfurt wore the colors of Duisburg in this game. It's a one-shot one game. Or Borussia Mönchengladbach in uh, 2004, playing against, uh, or 2005 was it, he played against uh, regulation. Um, was like now, very was very difficult season. And in the, in the third last um, game of the season, they played in Hamburg. And um, Jeff Strasser, our captain back then, suggested that we should wear black again, because Black shirts were always successful. Borussia won in Ar at Arsenal mid-90s uh, in black. So they said, let's try uh, superstitious and let's play in a black jersey. That is also very rare. I, this one is my favorite too, because this is a lot of shirt. I said in white and this is in black. That is the one really only shirt I really love to have. And I'm looking for it. And I would even pay some money for that. <laughs> Which one? Um, yeah, this is the shirt. And there are also, of course, a lot of stories from the 60s. Um, Stuttgart, for example, in 63, 64, um, qualified for uh, the Bundesliga, but they didn't have uh, floodlights back then. And um, the stadium belonged to the city of Stuttgart. And, um, and they provided the floodlights overnight. And in thank you for that. Stuttgart played in yellow because the you know, colors of the city are yellow. So Stuttgart played for uh, the away games. Um, they played, or even at home games, they sometimes played in yellow. 
a thank you for the city that they provided the floodlights. So, and there are so many stories I could can go through the whole book. My only big hope is that one day I can really publish it in English in English that you all can read it. But this is uh, I haven't found a publisher yet who was willing to translate it and bring it out in English. Well, I've had to go through it very, very slowly with the dictionary and Google Translate <laughs> open at the same time. But it's even even through that stilted approach, it's, it's fantastic. You talked about your favourite Gladbach kits. Obviously, you've looked through hundreds and hundreds of Bundesliga kits. And if you perhaps suspend your fan rivalries, are there maybe three or four that, that really stand out that you think are the maybe the finest Bundesliga kits? Obviously, aside from Gladbach's uh, okay. magnificent. Oh, um, yeah, like, like I said before, the Stuttgart Kicker shirt from Erbacher in 91-92 is, is one of my all-time favorites because this big logo on the shirt was first time. Later, um, 80-60 Munich did it too, and other clubs tried to play, or other outfitters uh, tried to make it too. And then it becomes really difficult for me to look at other shirts from other clubs and say that is my favorite. I really have to look in the book. I should have should have known the question, um, Alex, and I could have uh, prepared for that because I really can't say otherwise than that. Um, maybe this is because I'm not a collector. I would say maybe I can, from another angle, like I told you, I'm a big fan of outfitter stories and outfitter history and a big um, interest in, in merchandising and a, bit into, a big interest in sponsorships. That is my my history. So I'm um, maybe you can say I have some outfitters I'm very interested in. And um, like I said, this Airbacher story, which was a ski brand before, and Rosie Mittermeier and Christian Neureuther, two famous ski, downhill ski racer and slalom ski racer in Germany. Uh, Rosie Mittermeier is even Olympic champion. Um, they were co-founders co or, or co-owners of this company. And uh, suddenly they be wanted to become, um, yeah, in, uh, they, they went into football sponsoring. And I haven't found out yet why. Why did it happen? This is my, my story I'm really um, working on right now um, to find out why was this uh, company suddenly going into football. Or um, I spoke with... Um, Diadora guy who was responsible for the Diadora um, kids here for my book. Lotto, I met them, Lotto guys, and then tried to figure out why they came to Germany, what is the history. That is what I'm interested in. So it is very hard to name out um, shirts, um, which I love. Really to say, maybe we can make a, um, another story another time. I can tell you more. You, when you talk about this explosion of brands that came in, like Erbacher and and Pony and Diodora and yeah. Nike and so on. Is this just a case of the money that was on offer in the Bundesliga? Or why was this explosion in the, the 1990s of all the brands getting involved? Why was it no longer a sort of two-horse race between? I think it's this line, like now in tech, I, don't know, can, I think you can compare with that what happens in tech in the last 10, 15, 20 years uh, here. Open market, Sandy, Adidas and Puma are leaving or are not... Um, Changing uh, the Adidas with the cell, with the death of um, Horst Dassler, and then the cell to Tapi, and then later um, with uh, Louis Dreyfus as the head, um, they um, they changed completely. They said they wanted only to sponsor the big clubs, so they left the market open. Puma was not doing very well; they had problems. So 
also not very much many clubs anymore hadn't hadn't the money to think. and for other brands especially for the foreign brands Italian brands um, or like companies like Roche who always have been in football because of their um, goalkeeper gloves Usport who have also in football because of the goalkeeper gloves they saw an opening yeah and there was a market for that suddenly and they wanted to try to figure it out and if they can make money with it is it worth to invest and, and many found out or Essex like you know, Essex um, I have a big story in my in my Bundesliga, in my Gladbach trikot book about Borussia Mönchengladbach, there's a big story about um, Essex and Reebok. Why did they come in? Yeah? They also saw a market in there, especially Reebok. Reebok suddenly, also Essex was um, trying to figure out something in Germany. They also were in England, but they never really got into it. They didn't have the money. They really wanted to pursue it. But Reebok was... Um, different. They really wanted in the market. They pushed in England as well. They had Liverpool at the same time later when they had Borussia too. And they suddenly wanted to make money with it and they saw a market in it and they really pushed for it. And um, other brands like Roche, for example, they just were there in the 90s and then the beginning of the 20s, they did suddenly disappeared because they found out uh, that it's very, very expensive. And many companies suddenly get sold and the new owner said, no, I I leave football or I get out of it. I don't want it anymore. Like Essex, for example, is a good example as well. Some bosses said, okay, football might be an interesting market. Suddenly a new manager came in and said, no, we concentrate on our running again. This is our key market. But mostly I think the money issue was really a reason why some companies didn't continue. You know. manufacturers and brands are obviously your your thing and what you're most intrigued yeah. by bringing it back up to today are there any obviously you've already covered those horrendous puma third kits that, that i agree with you are awful <laughs> um <laughs> but is there any any manufacturer out there today that you think are doing are doing good things maybe someone you'd love to see bush and michael back in in the in the next few years um i very very curious of going what's going to happen with mizuno i always loved mizuno and um, I'm for my private. I always was a volleyball player in my as I played volleyball. And Mizuno is very strong in volleyball. Essex is very strong in volleyball. And um, I always loved the kid. Um, and I'm really curious what they're going to do in, in football. They come to Bochum next season. They have Roma, I think, uh, or Lazio, one of them. I don't know exactly. And I'm really curious what they what they're going to do. Um, I'm very surprised how the rise of Yako. I never expected that Yako become so big over the years. They started early 90s era and steadily grow. Interesting story for your collectors. There was never much a difference between player shirt and um, collector shirt, so um, pen shop. So, I know a Bayer Leverkusen collector he's, who stopped collecting match one shirts from from Bayer, from Jaco, because he said, I can't tell the difference. So you can't say if it's a replica or if it's a match one, you can't say. So if, if you don't know the, the source of the, the jersey, you can't say. I think there's a change now. I heard from some guys that they make different now, that they make some different shirts now. 
But in the early years uh, with Bayer Leverkusen, the time there was no difference between replica and um, player's shirt. So that's interesting as well. Um, favorite brand was always the Italian ones. Uh, I loved um, Lotto, especially off with Gladbach, but also with other clubs. And um, yeah, that is most most of the thing. And um, Castor is an interesting story as well. I'm curious. They're coming to Leverkusen now next season. This is already interesting. I just saw them coming in as a brand for Andy Murray tennis brand. That's, that's how they started. Yeah, and and now they're suddenly so big in football. I'm a big Rangers fan as well. So I saw them coming to uh, Glasgow Rangers, and then was curious. But I must say I can't really make a. Uh, opinion about the shirts uh, because in England it's just so difficult in Scotland you have so many bet sponsors on there betting betting companies and they they ruin so many shirts Although, uh, Newcastle has a, such a great Castor shirt and then they have this ugly betting company on there really really sad sometimes yeah this is um, shirts sometimes get really messed up with this uh, sponsor printings yeah I think Castor is an interesting one because um, I'm an Aston Villa fan and yeah. there's a strong link that we're going to be supplied by them next year. So like you, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they produce for us as well, yeah. And Hummel is interesting too. Hummel is here also a German brand. This was founded as a German brand. Then some Danish uh, um, handball players got the license, transferred it into uh, Denmark and now it's a Danish brand. And uh, and they come back strong too in football now. Man, they, they are now Villa um, Villa too. I think Everton for sure, my club. Um, but um, next year they come to Cologne again. Also they have been Freiburg in Germany. Um, so Hummel is also a very interesting story, especially because they are taking so much care about um, image and, and they have a certain way to do business and, and this is going to be um, interesting how this uh, develops yeah? because now they're paying paying big money too uh, they grow and have a lot of teams we were talking about how difficult the book is to get hold of as you say it is available at the moment from uh, stanchionbooks.com and as soon as we're done i'm going to be off to buy myself a copy but also i did notice on twitter that there was the a possibility that you were looking at doing a second bundesliga book is is that something that's that's in the pipeline that everyone can look forward to i i hope i can make my second edition yeah i'm working on that that i um get my book republished kind of uh, updated uh, with some new content and some uh, things. This is the plan. Next year is the 60th years, the 60th birthday anniversary of the Bundesliga. And this is my goal. And I have already, with my new publisher, I have already set up that we want to do that. But the rights are still uh, with the other publisher. So I have to get that solved first. And when this is solved, which I hope is this summer, because I already started working on, on, on uh research and, and trying to get updates and so and it's long and as fast as this um, published and I um, let you all know and then that I'm working on and then hopefully next year in August we have uh, the second edition of Bundesliga shirts which will be then called but a little differently because if it changes the publisher I probably have to rename it a bit different name but uh, the content is mostly the same, but uh, I plan also some updates and what is missing now are goalkeeper shots. And the first edition, 
I didn't uh, have goalkeeper shirts because at first I really didn't think about it so much as was not so much interest. But also um, it would have made it impossible to put them all in uh, because space, I had not enough room for that. But I'm going to um, change that and they're going to be, if there comes the second edition, they're going to be goalkeeper shirts in there as well. That's for sure. That's, I can promise you. Yeah. We know a, a couple of collectors in particular that will that will be music to their ears. Yeah, yeah we very much look forward to um, to, to seeing the, the the booking in the English version. If you finally get around to that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I think um, such a big market for German shirts, league shirts in the in tell the, the publishers, <laughs> please tell them, tell them to listen to this podcast and um, yeah, we can start <laughs> a petition for you, Steve, if that's what you need. <laughs> the English publishers, if you listen to this, this is not England. Just England is also international worldwide. Well, we've got our clip to, to sell the episode, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I see. I've got w- one last thing I'd like to ask yeah, you, actually. Um, a lot of people listening might not know that you, you're also uh, an Everton fan. Yeah. So we, we got to ask, what's your favourite Everton shirt? My favourite Everton shirt, I have it here. It's a Umbro shirt, 2014-2015. Okay, I think that that'll be a that's a popular one with with Everton fans, isn't it? That's the um, it's got the, the Chang beers sponsor. Yeah, on it, Chang beer, but, yeah. but the color is very special. I love really love this color here, the buttons and so. That is really my my favorite shirt. I think I got this somehow from an from Everton collector. I was stupid enough. I didn't buy it back then for me in my size. Uh, just as a final point, you, obviously this conversation is really focused on the club scene, but as I don't, I don't collect national shirts, but but again, amongst England uh, English collectors, uh, German shirts, uh, uh, West Germany and German uh, shirts are, are really popular. Do, do do any of the shirts attract you? Is that something that has the same feeling as club shirts or? Um, I have to say, national team was not very much my favorite because the 1982 World Cup ruled it for me. Because you remember this um, shame of Gijon game? Remember maybe the, where Austria and uh, Germany uh, played? Um, um, I think uh, yeah. no, didn't play. They didn't play at all. Yeah, <laughs> and Algeria was out, and I was a small boy back then, and I hated that. And since then, the national team is uh, for me. Um, not as much as important as it was um, uh, my, my, my team. But there are, of course, um, national team shirts I like. I, like I said before, I like it clean and simple. And the shirts which are clean and simple, that are my favorite. But I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you which one is really my, my all-time favorite. So it's, it's been great chatting to you, Steve. And again, for those who are lucky enough to find the few copies of your book remaining, I think both yeah. Mike and I really recommend <laughs> both the, 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 the Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, book and, and also the, the broader Bundesliga book. Again, you can find Steve on a, a couple of accounts. So there's at Trico Book, so T-R-I-T, B-U-C-H, which is a focus on the, the the books. And then if you want to follow Steve on his personal account, which goes a bit more broadly into his life as a Borussia Mönchengladbach fan as well, that's at Steve Apenowitz as well. So great to chat to you, Steve, and we look forward to seeing more from your uh, new release of your books. 
thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Confessions of a Kit Man. Confessions of a Kit Man. Confessions of a Kit Man. So this week's story is about a away trip, I believe, to Port Vale. We were staying in a hotel, um, and what we used to do is train on the way. So we'd travel up, we'd train at a training ground or at a local club, then make our way to the hotel and then be ready for the next day for the game. So we're on our way up, we're waiting on someone to come back back to us to let us know that we can train. Nobody comes back to us, so we've got nowhere to train. So we get to the hotel, we look down the road, and there's a garden centre. There's a big patch of grass. I say big, it's probably about 30 by 30. So the lads get their boots on and do some running on the patch of grass outside the garden centre. Later on that evening, uh, the manager says to us, can you pop to a shop and just get me some bits and pieces? So we jump in his car, we turn right out of the hotel, pop on down to this Sainsbury's local, and on the left is a local football club, which wasn't being used, which we could have used for training, and we'd used a garden centre because we had turned left out of the hotel instead of turning right. We went on to win the league. Now that we've all got BMG's goal music stuck in our heads, let's move to Shirt Room 101. Hello, I'm AD, otherwise known at AD underscore Olaf on Twitter. Cov, Boyan, MLS, England, all that jazz, shirt collecting. And, and I've been asked my opinions, and people know my opinions don't usually sit on the fence too much. And this one is around what I think should go into Room 101, slash, as I call it, the shit bin. And this one is probably going to it's <laughs> probably going to divide the community and this one is shirt concept designs the, the be all and all that is, is is quite a quick one for me is what the f*** is the point you see them and people badge them up as one thing is I've seen the new release for insert team here look at it isn't it f- brilliant and all of a sudden, you'll get everybody jumping up and like, oh my God, in their pants. That shirt is f***ing amazing. I'm going to buy that shirt. Let me throw my money out right now. It's like, it's not even f***ing real. You know it's not real because it's out of portion. The rendering is The design is Whatever it is, is It's It's upon And it shouldn't be anywhere near the f***ing screen. And people will then get hold of it from the old DH fake. And now they'll concept it and they'll push it out and people will buy it. idiots. And they'll walk around in it and show it. Look at my delightful new top of insert team here again. And it's a load of shit because it's not real in the first place. Let alone being real. It's, it's, what is it? It's a real fake. So it's a fake fake. I mean, what the fuck is that about? And then... The other alternative is you'll get you'll get the people that are that will make these and think they're better than Adidas, Nike, Hummel, Puma, whoever it's going to be, and tag them in. They'll mock up a picture of like a Bayern shirt, a United shirt, Liverpool shirts, 
any team you can think of that's got a half decent shirt or in those Puma third templates shirt and mock it up differently and say oh I'm f- great at Adidas at Nike at Hummel look at my shirt designs you're doing it wrong you're telling somebody a design and manufacturing brand that's designed kits and shirts for years upon years that you're f- better than them absolute atrocious there's just no point in dealing with people like that you just look at it and think why, why would you do it what to get out of it anyway I think that's enough for one day. I'm about to have an aneurysm, so I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Goodness. I worried we'd part then. <laughs> yeah, it didn't hold back, and that's the edited version, so who wants to kick us off there? Do you want to message him, Mike? Check he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, 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 go, I'll go first if you want. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to follow on from that, I will say that. There, there are certainly aspects of what, what AD said that I, I would agree with. To keep it short, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm not a big fan of, of concept designing. What people do in their own time is up to them. If if that's what they enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I would never tell someone they shouldn't be doing what they enjoy. We collect football shirts and we're not one to, to criticise people. But I do agree with with Eddie where it starts to cross the line into passing them off as the, the next actual home shirts and real shirts. And then people jump on it. And then, you know, like he said, DHK starts making it. You get morons selling them on facebook pages is the real thing and and i i think there is a place for it you know we've got we got these kit competitions at the moment where the guys that do this that's you know where they're getting their their opportunity to to kind of jump in and, and get involved for me um i'm in erin on the side of yeah go on stick them in there's two sides aren't there i think mike we'd all kind of agree that when you have these fake ups that purport to be the new versions and they never end up being then absolutely kind of a bit of a waste of time on the other side there's a really great group of creative people giving these really nice designs and all right they won't end up being a a kit because often they're too adventurous and they wouldn't work as kind of a physical design but i don't know there's some things like where you it's almost like those things where they mock up what the United or the Borussia Dortmund lineup would look like if we didn't have the same terrible 11 players and we signed eight new players. It's sort of a vision of a beautiful future that is never going to be, but at least you can dream for a bit. And again, it's sort of like a United shirt that doesn't have team viewer or Chevrolet as a sponsor. So I think they, you know, they've got a part in the community. These people are talented, but they're obviously not the real thing. But then the second thing would be, yeah, the, the the things purporting to be the new new shirts, yeah, getting the bin. Tom, what are your thoughts? I actually have a confession. So I actually have one of these concept shirts that is a DH fake because um, my grandparents at Christmas bought it for me and I didn't have the heart to tell them how disappointed it really was. <laughs> but it's, the, it's that Argentina shirt, the one that was done, I think, just after Maradona died and it it, it had a, it was a really cool like, kind of rendering concept that I think a large concept artist came up with they bought the shirt for me which is obviously a terrible fake but so yeah I feel like I'm kind of bridging the gap between the, the two arguments but truthfully the concept thing doesn't particularly interest me just like certain football shirts don't interest me uh, yeah it's just it's just not for me I'm not like Mike says I'm not saying people shouldn't do it I'm sure they're really talented, really creative, but it's just not something that piques my interest, really. I don't know how I have this uncanny ability to find myself on the wrong side of 
of every, every single debate. I didn't um, say I'd put it in <laughs> every week. Room. I just said it, I did, it didn't interest me, but I am kind of thinking maybe we shouldn't put it in the, the room on one. I, I see Odie's thing as being two parts. One is the concept shirts that are made into shirts and people think they're real and buy them and sell them on. And I'm all for putting that in the bin. The second part around people having fun, maybe tagging the wrong accounts, but having fun designing shirts and, and coming up with what shirts could look like in another reality. It, I guess it's a bit of it's a bit of fun, isn't it? Some of them look quite cool. I mean, so, no, like we all all thought about like organising our shirts, taking pictures, stuff. It's just another kind of way to enjoy shirts, isn't it? Like if I knew how to use Photoshop, I'd try and make current season United shirt look less terrible. But to be fair, I'd go through every photo of a Liverpool player and turn it blue just to <laughs> if I had the, the, the skill set to do it, I'd do it. I, I think I think I think I'm with you, Eddie. I, I think it kind of goes two ways. Uh, I think there is the element of, you know, people are doing what they enjoy and we're not we're not here to tell people not you know to do the things they enjoy. But I think that if you were going to split this, I'd say there is the 50 percent of it, which is the bullshit that goes with it. Um, the pretending things are real. They're trying to pass it off as the next shirt. So I, I'd say that's the bit I would definitely, I'd be putting that into Room 101 along with Tom's grandparents for buying fake shirts. <laughs> oh, I think that's fair. Everybody in favour, say aye. 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 Right, that's where we are. Right, it's been a fantastic week. Thank you very much for joining us again. Everybody will love you and leave you. Bye all. Say bye. Bye. Bye.